0: Welcome to Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly, your host. It is episode 108, and today we're going to talk about a story that has been in the news today and that captured my attention right away, and we'll get to that in just a second. But before we do, I want to give you a quick reminder that there are great ways to interact with Survivor Sanctuary. You can do that online in our Facebook group. It is on Facebook. Just search Survivor Sanctuary Podcast, and you can join us there chat about whatever you want, today's episode or something else that's on your mind. It's a closed group, a private group. You can't get in without answering a security question. So we keep the trolls at bay. It is a safe environment. I try to keep it that way. And it's also a really good environment for people to just have a safe space to share whatever they want to share about uh, their own personal journey. Maybe you want to talk about your story, how you are healing from abuse, or you want to ask questions. Got a lot of folks there that are very supportive. So that's one One way, and another way that you can connect with this podcast in a more meaningful way is to become a patron of the podcast through patreon.com. Visit patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary, and you can become a patron starting at $5 a month. You get some goodies and some extras. You get the episodes a day before everybody else gets them. We have Zoom get-togethers and conversations and different things, so you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary would love to have you as a patron of the podcast, not only enjoying some extras, but supporting the work of Survivor Sanctuary. Well, it really surprised me. And I don't like using the word trigger because I feel like it gets used to mock people a lot, like, oh, you're triggered by something. And I don't know, I guess it just bothers me for that reason. But I don't know that there's a better way to describe how I felt seeing the story today about the Dalai Lama than to say that I was completely triggered. Before I get into why I was so triggered, I will just explain what happened. It literally, the news headlines are basically just that the Dalai Lama, and just a quick trigger warning, it's gross what I'm about to share with you, and so I just wanted to make you aware. Um, in any case, the Dalai Lama has apologized after a video showed him ultimately, like this is not all it showed, but ultimately it showed him asking a young boy of maybe about five years old to suck his tongue. Yeah, I told you it was going to be gross. I hope that was a good enough trigger warning. It's disgusting. And I watched the full video because I just I wanted some context because, you know, sometimes people will just throw up a little clip of something you're not quite there's no way to misunderstand this though some people are saying oh it's a cultural thing you know sticking out your tongue or whatever but literally during a february event the dalai lama asked a boy to kiss him first on the cheek well let me let me start over this little boy is at an event where the Dalai Lama is speaking and he comes up to him and asks if he can give him a hug. So that's how it starts. Little boy wants a hug from the Dalai Lama. And he basically says, well, kiss my cheek first. And then he asks the boy to kiss him on his lips next. And then he pauses for like a really long time and says, and suck my tongue and sticks it out. And like the boy starts leaning in. The poor thing, he's a little kid. You know, he starts leaning in. The crowd is laughing. Um, A lot of folks were not laughing after this. A prominent Delhi-based child rights group responded that it condemns all forms of child abuse and added that some news refers to Tibetan culture about showing tongue, but this video is certainly not about any cultural expression. And even if it is, such cultural expressions are not acceptable. So, the Dalai Lama, the most famous living Buddhist in the entire world, known and revered as a spiritual leader all over the world, is caught on camera. And I don't even want to say caught, because I think one of the things that disturbs me a lot about this is that he wasn't caught. He literally did this in front of an audience, in front of an audience. He thought it would be a good idea that instead of giving the boy a hug, like the boy asked, he asked the boy to kiss him first on the cheek, then on the lips, then asked him to suck his tongue. He did that in front of an audience of people and everybody just laughed like, oh, ha ha, how funny. I don't know if people were like, so surprised that they could do nothing but laugh. Like sometimes, listen, I will be the first to admit, sometimes I laugh in inappropriate situations because I just, you get embarrassed. You're not really, you get uncomfortable. And sometimes laughter just comes out. I've literally laughed at a funeral before at a time that it was completely inappropriate to do it. Sometimes you're so uncomfortable that a laugh just comes out. It's kind of like if you're being personally sexually harassed, sometimes that can happen. Like, I'm just going to laugh this off because you're uncomfortable. You don't know what to do. I guess you could say maybe some of the people in the crowd are feeling that. Um, It was just, it was so creepy and weird to watch that video. And the fact that the Dalai Lama was willing to do this live on camera and in front of an audience begs the question. And it was one of the first things that I thought of when I saw this article. Um, It's now all over the news. Um, I saw a CNN article first. And the first thing that kind of popped into my head, or one of the first things I should say is, if he's doing this in public, what is he doing in private? Now, to be fair, from this instance, there's no proof that, oh, this definitely means that the Dalai Lama is a pedophile and a child predator. Um, We can't obviously come straight to that conclusion based on this video. But I will say that at this point, that's where my mind is, because I don't think that there's a better explanation for behavior like this. And I also think that it's super disturbing that behavior like this was done so publicly in front of so many people. And doesn't the uh, abuse advocate community talk about this a lot. I know Jimmy Hinton spends a lot of time talking about uh, people trying to normalize abuse, abusing in plain sight. And they cross lines here and there as a form of like testing people. Now, someone posted this on Facebook and a person commented and they were basically like poo-pooing the story like, meh, he's like 87. He's probably got dementia. Here's the thing. I don't think that having dementia suddenly turns you from a person who respects the bodies of children into someone who acts like a child predator. Like, I know dementia can do crazy things, but I don't really think that we need to use that as an excuse. Oh, he's older. So asking a little boy to suck his tongue is acceptable because maybe he has dementia, even though there's no proof of that. I feel like that's just like basically being an apologist for an abuser. And people do that all the time within the church, you know, when a spiritual leader in the church is discovered to be someone who's not trustworthy or caught in a situation like this. There are always people like, who are basically apologists for these men and women sometimes, typically men. Um, People who are making excuses and oh, you took this out of context, they didn't mean anything by it, or oh, they're struggling with this or that, so don't be angry, don't be upset, and it's interesting to me to watch this happen. I mean, I know that it happens in other contexts outside of the church, but it's just very interesting to watch this story unfold and see a lot of people, of course, are up in arms and they're furious and they say that it's disgusting and that they don't trust him anymore. And And honestly, I, I can't really blame those people. But there are many people also who are writing things and posting things like you don't understand the culture and he just likes to tease people, uh, which brings me to the Dalai Lama's attempt at an apology. I think that that is what this was supposed to be. He released an apology, and it basically is one of those, quote, apologies, unquote, that you see from church leaders who have done something extremely inappropriate. There's a lot of deflecting, and there's not a lot of true apologizing. So I'll read you the tweet that the Dalai Lama tweeted or his team. I'm sure that an 80 something year old man is not tweeting on his own, but I could be wrong. (laughs) Anyway, it says, a video clip has been circulating that shows a recent meeting when a young boy asked his holiness, the Dalai Lama, if he could give him a hug. His holiness wishes to apologize to the boy and his family, as well as his many friends across the world for the hurt his words may have caused. His holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, Even in public and before cameras, he regrets the incident. Okay, so many things wrong with this statement. First of all, uh, the apology is literally a big fat non-apology. It starts with saying, A young boy asked His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, if he could give him a hug. So basically putting this off on the child. The child is the one who wanted physical contact. That's what I read from from here. The boy asked for a hug from the Dalai Lama. Obviously, he wanted physical contact with the Dalai Lama. And His Holiness wishes to apologize to the boy and his family, his many friends across the world, for the hurt his words may have caused. He did not say that he apologized for his actions. No, he apologized for the hurt his words may have caused. And those are two really different things. But him saying suck my tongue and those words are not actually the part of this that's the most alarming. Yes, those words are alarming. But it's the fact that he said those words to a young boy and literally stuck out his tongue for the young boy to do what he had just requested. It's disgusting. If you've seen the video, you watch the one that's two minutes long because some of the videos are, are cut into clips and you can't really see the whole thing. But he actually speaks and tells the boy to give him a kiss on the cheek, give him a kiss on the lips, and now suck my tongue. Like it's gross, it's, it's really gross. But the end of this apology is probably what bothers me the most. And it's kind of just excusing the behavior as teasing. His holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way. There was nothing innocent and playful about this. Innocent and playful would have been like, you know, oop, oop. I've got your nose, <laughs> you know, that old trick, like that's an adult teasing a little kid, oh, I got your nose, or look, I pulled a penny out of your ear, something. Like even in another cultural context, there are different ways to tease people than literally straight up telling a little boy to suck your tongue. That is not playful or innocent teasing at all. And, and here's the thing that I think people need to understand. When somebody was like, oh, he's he's just, he teases people, that's like what he does, There is not any context in a normal person's existence where telling a five-year-old child to suck on your tongue is playful and innocent. That's not playing around. And a normal person would not think that thought. A normal human being who does not sexualize children is not gonna look at a five-year-old little boy and be like, hey, long pause, you should suck my tongue here it is, let me stick it out for you. Like That is not a type of teasing that is going to enter into the brain of a person who does not sexualize children. This is alarming for so many reasons, and that is one of them, that he's reducing this to teasing. And he adds in the words innocent and playful to try and make it that. But I don't think that there's any context in which normal people would say, oh yeah, like he's just teasing and that's totally innocent and playful. So he's trying to control the narrative here uh, with those words. Like, I know you're all freaking out. So I apologize if, if anyone was hurt by my words, but I often tease people innocently and playfully. And that's all that this was. It's gross and made me extremely uncomfortable. And going back to me being triggered, again, I don't like to use that word, but it really hit me. And one of the reasons is because When I was abused as a six-year-old child, the man who abused me literally took a page out of this exact same playbook. And I think that's why my blood just ran cold when I read this story. It wasn't just like, you know, seeing the video, it was reading what happened, like reading what actually happened. This innocent little boy, so excited to be meeting, who is probably his parents' most revered spiritual leader, basically like next to God in his importance. And he's so excited to meet him and wants to give him a hug. And that's a young boy's sweetness and innocence and trust, of course, in in a spiritual leader. And rather than doing what the little boy asked, which was allowing him to give the Dalai Lama a hug, he he changed the game. And that's exactly what happened to me. Just like the Dalai Lama told the boy, well, first here, kiss you need to kiss me on my cheek, I think. And then, oh, I think you need to kiss me on my lips now. And then, oh, now you should suck my tongue. I mean, it wasn't those exact words, but that's literally how my abuse began. It's not how the the grooming and testing of my family started, but it's literally how the abuse started. Um, I was in the house with my sister the man who abused me came into the house when he knew my parents would be away because my parents were away with members of his family. So I know that that was very calculated of him. And he was playing a fun game where he would pick me up and like swing me around in a circle. I was six years old, loved to play, super happy-go-lucky. And that was just, I, I even now feel like I need to make excuses for it because that's just like something that's ingrained in my head. But Anyway, he lifted me up and twirled me around and I'm like, yay, do it again, do it again. You know, six years old, having a great time. And he said, well, I I need you to kiss me on the cheek, and if you want me to twirl you again, you gotta kiss me right here on the cheek. Pointed to his cheek, and I'm like, okay, you know, whatever, trustworthy adult, someone who'd been in our lives for months, someone that you know my family thought we could trust, and I was six, so didn't know that this was the beginning of something that was not gonna be good. So I give him a kiss on the cheek, and then he spins me around again, and then it's, well, now you have to give me a kiss on the mouth. Like, on the lips, you give me a kiss right here, and I'll keep twirling you around. And this situation just kind of escalated from there. But that's literally exactly how it started. And so when I saw that, like first, like, no, before I hug you here, you need to kiss me on the cheek. And then now you need to kiss me on the lips. And now I think you should suck my tongue. Like, it's just, it's so disgusting. And again, outside of the realm of anything that any normal person who does not sexualize children would think was appropriate. And all I can wonder now is how many kids has he done this to? And what else has he done? Because if he's doing stuff like this, like the point keeps being made on Twitter and other social media, if he's doing this publicly, what is he doing privately? And that's really, I think, the biggest question. But I think that's something we need to be really vigilant about as we seek to protect our kids and to know who to trust or who not to trust or where to draw our boundaries. I think that's something we need to keep in mind is first of all, and we've done podcasts on this in the past, but first of all, an abuser can be anyone. There's no one that you could say, no, that person is so magnificent and perfect that there is absolutely no way they could ever abuse anyone. No one in that position of authority would ever do anything to harm children. Like you gotta get that out of your head. Number one thing, protecting your kids and yourself even, is to always keep in mind, and it's not to live in fear, but it's always to just have the knowledge, just be aware. An abuser can be anyone. And there's no one that's exempt, there's there's no vocation in life that's exempt from that truth. An abuser can literally be anybody. And so that's, I think, the number one thing that's important to keep in mind. But the second thing is that abusers, by and large, Enjoy abusing publicly. They like to see what they can get away with. And I think also that if an abuser is used to doing things privately that are really horrifying and a disgusting violation of children, then some of the things that they do publicly might come across as alarming to you. But I think that at some point, Abusers have to become desensitized to the things that they're doing to children. And that could always be why someone like the Dalai Lama would think there's nothing out of the ordinary about me asking a five-year-old to suck my tongue in public into a microphone on camera. There has to be a point at which you're just completely desensitized to what it is that you're doing behind closed doors and to the horrific nature of what it is that you're doing that makes you think that it's a good idea to publicly announce to a five-year-old that he should suck your tongue. Like, I think that that has to have something to do with incidents like these where maybe do you forget where you're at when children are around? Do you forget that you're out in public? Uh, You just become so focused on the predatory behaviors that you're used to using in private that suddenly it's like those people don't exist Um, At the same time, I know that a lot of abusers are really scared of getting caught, so they're going to be careful, but they also are constantly testing people and abusing in plain sight. Again, Jimmy Hinton talks a lot about people who abuse in plain sight of others, and they get a sick pleasure. They derive a pleasure of some kind from feeling like they're pulling the wool over everybody's eyes and being as brazen as they possibly can, touching children and doing highly inappropriate things in public settings where you would think everybody would notice like, this is so weird, but we're so polite as human beings and as a society. The Dalai Lama, one of the world's most renowned spiritual leaders is on stage doing something and we're just going to laugh because obviously, I mean, he's this great spiritual leader, so nothing that he's doing could be wrong. It must just be like this joke and we're all just going to laugh along. And this is something that really gives abusers the opportunity to continue to abuse unchecked. I think that when we start getting brave and saying something like, hey, buddy, that's inappropriate even if you aren't sure that somebody's doing something because they sexualize children, you know? H- how about one of the men sitting beside the Dalai Lama while he's talking to this little boy? How about one of them being like, whoa, whoa, buddy, that's, that's a step too far. Little inappropriate there. Um, yeah, that's not something we're gonna do. Like a lot of times we just let people do things that are highly inappropriate because we're so alarmed by the fact that they've done it that we're kind of frozen. And at the same time, we also are so afraid of being impolite. And I mean, I know that's true in my life and it's true in in my family. Like the most important thing was that you were nice to everybody. And the most important thing was that you were kind, even if people were walking all over you. And that's something that has been difficult for me as an adult to unlearn. And to kind of be able to stand up for myself. But when somebody does something that inappropriate, I feel like your body and your intuition are immediately telling you like, these alarm bells are going off and this is not okay. And your first instinct might be to laugh because you're nervous. You don't understand what just happened. You're not sure you want the responsibility of calling somebody out in front of everybody else. Um, And I get that, like that's, it's pretty scary. <laughs> Nobody wants that job, but at the same time, our fear of confrontation and just that deep, deep desire to never have to confront anybody about anything, that is something that allows abuse to continue unchecked. And it's, it's an area that I think a lot of people need to work on. I'm one of those people. And I never want to believe that I was too scared to say something to somebody and it Allowed someone else to be abused or to be stuck in a situation where they were uncomfortable because I was afraid to say something. I'm afraid to offend someone. I'm afraid to be wrong, you know? But here's the thing you don't have to say, get off, pedophile. What are you doing? You know, if somebody's doing something inappropriate or you're uncomfortable about what, they're doing to a child in front of you. Um, you don't need to immediately assume that that person is a pedophile. I mean, unless they're doing something like this, just really outlandish. Um, but if a situation is making you uncomfortable, if touch is making you uncomfortable, there's nothing wrong with establishing a boundary for yourself or for somebody else. I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before, uh, but I actually have been on dates where guys have done like just Really freaky and appropriate stuff. One example is just a guy I I went on a date with. The very first date I had been on with him, um, he walked me back to where my car was located, and then just dude just like grabs me and starts kissing. I didn't even like him. I didn't even enjoy our date. You know, it was just like we went on a date. I met him that day. I don't know you well enough to to want to kiss you that's disgusting and i was so uncomfortable and like nervous and my first thought was and this of course just speaks to my dysfunction and kind of the way that i was raised to just be a people pleaser uh, but my reaction was like um okay like to kind of laugh it off and joke about it but i did try to establish a firm boundary and say okay firm might be a little bit of a stretch but I did express, even though I was nervous, and even though I laughed, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a little, you know, quick for me. We just met today, so yeah." And I thought that that was me expressing yeah, not interested in kissing you, dude. And then he tried it again, and it was just the most bizarre situation I had been in. And and I walked away from it just feeling so gross and definitely wishing that I had been more firm and that rather than worrying about how he would feel if I told him off, you know, um, worrying instead about the fact that he thought it was okay to just grab somebody that he had met two hours earlier and kiss them. So I think that these things are so deeply ingrained in us. And that's why I brought up that story. It's so deeply ingrained in us that we have to be polite and we have to, you know, maintain appearances and we can't make public scenes. And a lot of that keeps us from protecting ourselves and sometimes even protecting our kids because we don't want to make a scene. We don't want to have a confrontation. We don't want to accidentally be wrong that, okay, maybe Mr. Dalai Lama is not a child predator and me calling him out is going to make me look like a mean person. I get the fear, but we've got to get to a place where our desire to protect children overrides whatever fear we might feel about confronting someone who seems too powerful to be touched or too spiritual to be a predator. I think it's important to keep in the forefront of our minds that abusers thrive on that kind of polite society that's afraid to say anything, and it's something that allows them to continue to abuse and you know to to be able to just have access to children and know nobody's really gonna say anything because accusing someone of being a pedophile is not something that the vast majority of people are gonna do, especially if the person who is behaving inappropriately toward children is a spiritual leader. And I know that here on the podcast, we talk about sexual abuse in the church, but I think that this story was so important to share because, well, one, it's just all up in the news right now, and two, it kind of is exactly like what we see happening in the church. like Maybe, yes, the setting looks a little bit different. Uh, the, the pastor, how he's dressed might look a little bit different, or the church leader might look a little bit different. But the scenario is the same. People behaving inappropriately with young people, with children, and getting away with it because people will just laugh it off or they'll talk themselves out of it. Our brains see what kind of, in a sense, what we want them to see and They see what makes us comfortable, what keeps our brains just comfortable with the way that life is. And so when something happens in front of you that's like a direct violation of that, it's almost like your brain is grasping for any excuse why this is actually normal and okay. Your brain is grasping for any reason to shake this off, to talk yourself out of thinking that it's gross. And to be like, okay, yeah, totally makes sense that he's just teasing and that he's just one of those jokesters that likes to innocently and playfully tease, obviously. But when you really sit down and think about it, you put the two and two together that, okay, he might be a person that likes to playfully and innocently tease. However, asking a five-year-old child when you're in your 80s to suck your tongue is not playful and is not innocent. It's neither one of those things. And it's perfectly okay to acknowledge that openly and speak out and say, this is not okay. And I really hope that if that were my child, and I believe that I would do this, but again, we've got a lot working against us when it comes to how ingrained it is in us to be sweet and polite. And I hope that I'm not alarming anyone by saying that. Like, If I see somebody in front of me behaving inappropriately with a child, I'm going to intervene. But I think that we do have to fight those thoughts in our head. Like, what if I'm wrong? What if confronting this person and they're really not doing anything but teasing? What if I'm blowing this out of proportion? And I'll say something else that, I mean, I've mentioned how like in my family, that was kind of how things were. You just be polite to people, assume the best about everyone and don't hurt anybody's feelings. Like those are the golden rules, basically. And you've got all of that ingrained in you as well. Like telling you to see the best in a person, like, okay, probably they don't mean anything by this. And for me, I feel like that that is a byproduct of having been abused. And that may not be the experience of every person who went through abuse, or even most people who went through abuse. Maybe that's something where a few people will get me and a few people won't. But I think it's one of those things of your self-esteem or your self-respect. They're just aspects of it that kind of take a really big beating when you go through sexual abuse. And so for me, it's always like, don't make any waves, like don't, don't hurt anybody's feelings until I get like, until my sense of injustice is so riled up that then I kind of overreact in that sense. But I think that that is something that some victims of sexual abuse or abuse of any kind do struggle with. We struggle with boundaries and we struggle with being able to recognize when somebody's walking all over us or doing something inappropriately. And I feel like in my own life, sometimes things are glaringly obvious to me. And then other times it just takes me a minute to kind of grasp what's happening in front of me. So whether that's your experience or not, I just wanted to throw that out there as well, that sometimes it's just ingrained in us from like societal standards, like this is how you need to behave. And this is how you need to treat people even if you're uncomfortable in a situation. So some of that is society, some of it is our family of origin. And then some of it can be dysfunction in us based on how we were abused as kids. And I guess I should interject here. And as I'm talking through this, it's a trauma response. It's uh, one of the trauma responses that people go into. Fight, flight, and freeze we're pretty familiar with. Fawn is another one. And I think that this is a clear example of that. When you're stuck in a situation where you're just uncomfortable, something traumatic, mildly traumatic, or seriously traumatic happens, and you have this kind of fawn response. You're just, oh, hee, -hee, everything's great, and let's just be kind to this abusive, horrible person that we're watching because we're frozen and not sure what else to do. So I'm pretty sure that that's kind of an example of what this is. It's the fawn response just from a large crowd. But whatever causes it, I think it's something that we need to fight against because This stuff should not be happening. And somebody trying to normalize behavior like that in public needs to be called out. And so I actually was encouraged seeing everybody on Twitter, like not really seeing a whole lot of people defending the Dalai Lama. Most people were like, this is disgusting. I can't believe he did this. Gross. What's he doing behind closed doors if he's doing this in public, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that part was encouraging, but of course, there were the people on there trying to defend it. Well, you don't understand the culture and the tongue. Like, listen, sticking the tongue out might be part of the culture. Asking a five-year-old child as a full-grown elderly man who is a prominent spiritual leader to suck your tongue is not. A line needs to be drawn somewhere, and rather than laughing like, oh, hee," I think maybe people just acknowledging this is not okay, and bro, maybe you just need to. Back off. Like, it would be great if people would start speaking up when they're in those situations. But again, people who abuse know so well how to play everyone else. They know how to play us. They know how to play on your insecurities. They know how to play on your doubts and your questions. Like, they know how to make you question, did I really see what I just saw? That could not have happened and that's a normal thing because they excel at it. So we need to start recognizing these behaviors so we can call them out when they happen. And I will just say, the Dalai Lama, no. Can I take from this one thing that for sure, this guy's a pedophile who's abused many, many children. For sure, no, I can't because I haven't been there. But I will say that these behaviors that we just saw on camera from the Dalai Lama are completely alarming and should set off bells and whistles and red flags in everyone because those behaviors are not okay in any context. I don't care what you try to throw at me about culture, what you try to throw at me about someone's jokey, jokey personality. In any context, what he said and did is not okay and should be alarming to everyone. And that's what I've got for you today. I'd love to hear what you think. You can join me on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group to chat about it and let me know what you think. And I will catch you next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.